It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there and welcome to the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard and I am joined as always by the head coach and the AGM of the Edmonton Prospects, Jordan Blundell. How are you, buddy? I'm all right, Dino. You're feeling better today? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am feeling uh, much better today. Yeah, well, uh, the, with the weather turning so nice, I can imagine why you'd feel better today. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I uh, started feeling the uh, scratchy throat Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, I had big NFL plans to invite all the guys from my new fantasy football league over on Sunday. Uh, that did not do uh, go well, and I could barely talk yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I feel much better today, although I do sound uh, a little bit off. Uh, all right, we got a really great show today. I'll just uh, set things up. Uh, we'll we'll uh, find out what's going on with the Prospects Remax Field in the city of Edmonton. We're going to speak with Ethan Elias, who is the head man of the Edmonton Collegiate Trappers baseball team. We'll find out about that organization. And his, he's got a great backstory as well. Yeah. I played some minor league baseball. So um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he ever met Crash Davis uh, <laughs> or Nuke Lelouch in the uh, the minors. Dave Dombrowski out as a GM in Boston. And Poppy throws out the first pitch. Is that a coincidence? The conspiracy theorist in me says yes. And we're going to do top five uh, video games. Uh, but before, Jordan, we get to Around the Horn and go into the news of baseball, um, a viral video uh, mm. went out on uh, Sunday um, uh, about a uh, hockey fight in Lethbridge. It came from my Twitter account, at Duck Millard. The video was sent to me by uh, several of my sources in the uh, hockey world. It's a disgusting 10-second video uh, showing um, coaches slash parents slash relatives of some 10-year-old players going after a, a referee. The story is uh, the uh, the uh, 10-year-old boy in question two-handed a official twice, and this was in the official police report too. I'm just not going hearsay. Two-handed this official. The official in self-defense pushed the kid back. The kid fell. That's when the onslaught, and, and it continued, as I'm told, into the Zamboni area where the the, the official um, you know, was, was under fire again and ended up uh, needing an ambulance to go to the hospital. A 55-year-old man has been charged and arrested. A 36-year-old man, uh, at last I heard, was uh, still on the run, uh, but has also been uh, charged with this. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if anything like this has ever happened to you before. Um, and listen, this is a black eye on all sports. This is a black eye on uh, Canada. And we need, I think this is just a lesson, in my opinion, and, and you can tell me from a coach's perspective, that we just need to respect sport, whether you're a coach, a player, an official, anybody. You, the more respect you have for that sport, the better off everybody will be. And and this, at the very least, is the worst example of how to handle frustration. Oh, definitely. Uh, and you said it, it's respect. Uh, the, the sport uh, in hockey particularly, but in baseball and volleyball, the sport demands uh, a level of respect from its participants. Um, you work with the umpires. I know we discussed this uh, a week or two ago on the show that, uh, you know, in, in my case, uh, I try and have a professional relationship within the game. 
with with the officials. Um, I view it as we're working together. They have a job to do. I have a job to do. We we don't agree all the time. Uh, and sometimes as a manager in baseball, I, I'm allowed to come out and, and discuss things um, and trying to get to try to get to the bottom of, of what what has happened. Um, you know, I played hockey growing up, mid to triple A, uh, you know, maybe back in the day where, where rock'em sock'em hockey was still part, you get caught in the trolley tracks and, you know, for sure, Dino, I saw some things playing the game, uh, you know, some brawl type things, some things that happened in the benches. Um, I never, I had never seen a, an official, um, have to deal with what happened this weekend and, and the age of the, the player being 10 is, uh, nobody I ever played with thought it would be okay to make contact with the with an official like that's that's just something you know as an athlete in any sport that 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 line is just not crossed it's not you, you don't even need to talk about it. you just don't touch the officials and everybody you know wants their respect and nobody wants people invading their personal space uh, you know if uh, if the player did you know slash someone uh, the uh, official with has no padding and might have some elbow pads in case he falls with a stick um, you know that's a, that's the level of assault in itself you know unfortunately for the the young player 10 year old how can you think that's acceptable um, we definitely need to protect our officials um, I've seen it in youth baseball at 12 year old 10 year old you know 18 year old of, of just absolute craziness directed at officials they're, they're not perfect sometimes they're not very good at what they do and sometimes they're just learning exactly and especially at that at the age, youth age yeah. they're, they're young officials they haven't gone through the the gauntlet of experience at that point you know at, at some point we need to we need to figure this out i know in hockey they have to go parents have to go through a respect in sport yeah, and know, this was a non-sanctioned, yeah, uh, it's not a hockey Alberta, it wasn't a hockey uh, Canada, it wasn't a Lethbridge minor hockey situation, it was a, a private company's tournament, which is, that's the Wild West, man, you can, uh, I guess you can do whatever, you know, I was 13 years old, I ref my first hockey game, the other ref didn't show up that day, it was 7 in the morning in the Keystone Center in Brandon, where the Wheat Kings play, so it was very intimidating, yeah. I had to kick a coach out, because he berated, and I didn't know what to do, I just, get, get I'm not doing this game anymore, like what a what a way I can't believe I reffed after that, yeah. you know. There's a reason that there's a shortage of officials in yeah. every sport. Be, n the number one reason? The abuse that they take. And listen, until we figure that out and until we fix that, we are not setting a good example for any of our kids. Well, like, what do you think that kid, you know, I, I don't know uh, who it was, but if, if you're a child and, and watching your parent do that on video, Great. It's not a good example no. at all. Well, let, let, let's touch on, on the WCBL here real quick. Sure. And the, the officials, uh, they're called umpires in baseball. So the umpires, um, we've seen uh, over the last few years, and I, I'm privy to the, 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 the dialogue on this, although I've only been back for a couple of years with the organization. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not selecting umpires from uh, the biggest pool. The pool is getting smaller every year, and it's a concern for us. Uh, we, we do outsource and bring guys in to do our league um we set them up in in centralized centers so that they can bounce around and do games um in some of the markets um the number's not growing it's shrinking and to relate that to our situation in edmonton and and like i can understand this so one of our highly attended games you know say there's there's two thousand people in the stands um the umpire's uh, depending on his level of experience, that might be the most people he's ever umpired in front of. Um, so the umpire deals with both benches, both coaches, 
and the fans if the fans don't agree with what they're what they're doing so um, what's the incentive at the end of the day uh, for you know a young 22 year old former baseball player uh, that that played a pretty high level that loves the game that that has been recruited because the umpires like hey man you might be a good good person for this and they try and recruit former players because they've got a level of knowledge and you know what at the end of the day what's the incentive for this umpire to do a home game for us and, and potentially um you know their names on the, the screen you can find out who's doing the games you know potentially right. open themselves up to situations that you know is it worth doing in today's day and age for for what for what level of money for what level of satisfaction so i'm hopeful that in in our situation with with the wcbl we're we're able to grow and continue um continue having the guys we do have you know i don't agree with all of them all the time but i'll tell you what like for the most part um I know for sure they do as good a job as they can and they're honest. Um, and, and for the most part, they do a great job. You know, every once in a while you get a, you beat bad game, uh, but so do we, you know, we make five errors in a game and we didn't have a real good one either. Um, so I'm hopeful that we're able to grow that pool of umpires in our league, that we're able to attract some of the younger umpires to move up into our league and, and, umpire higher level you know it's more fun there's more stuff going on they, they, you might see a big leaguer you might umpire a big league you might umpire a perfect game that happened last year so some definitely there's some cool things that can happen and we need to in, make it so that it's uh, uh a healthy environment exactly well put you know it needs to be some sort of level of health like you got to be able to take a little bit we're competitive for sure but within the guidelines of the sport for sure well said I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, the big news uh, we're all waiting for is what's going on uh, with your team, uh, the uh, stadium next year, the city of Edmonton. Do you know anything as of yet? Uh, well, what I do know is uh, is I love YG. I love the city of Edmonton. Um, I, I've got a lot of respect for the process that they've they've been through. You know, there, there's multiple people and, and groups and entities that, that are a part of this major river crossing plan. Um, and, and Remax Field is a part of that. So uh, the, the city needs to work through uh, this process. They, they, they need some more time to, um, you know, get everything that they need done, done. Um, I'll tell you what, it's exciting to see what the, what the city has in store for the river crossing. Uh, what a beautiful concept already. Um, if, if we as a city are able to execute that, you know, how awesome would that be for a ballpark that, uh, you know, we're hopeful will be there for more than 10 years. Um, but, uh, but at this time we're, we're, we're really not at liberty to, to discuss, uh, our official relationship. Um, all, all we are is excited about the, the potential and, and the, the future here in Edmonton. All right. Well, uh, we will uh, continue the waiting game. Uh, you could have a future in politics that was really uh, well said, too, uh, <laughs> and making uh, everybody happy. Uh, one guy who's not happy right now, Dave Dombrowski. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like he's out as uh, the GM in Boston. Um, and it's it's not like they've sucked for a long time, right? The three division titles. Three titles, a World Series the, win. They're 10 games above 500 right now. Like It's like, wow, I don't know what is going on. Um, so that's a bit surprising and they bring in big poppy to throw out the first pitch. Now you and I are going to differ on this. I think they fired Dombrowski and then they were like, Oh man, let's get poppy in here. So nobody's talking <laughs> about it. Right. It's like Wayne Gretzky in the, uh, in the 2002, uh, two, 
uh, Winter Olympics, and Canada was not playing well. And then he came out with the this th- these Salt legendary work. comments. Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap. When he was talking about, well, and he took all of the onus off of the team I and put it that on him. Vividly. That's what I think they did with Poppy. They're like, we got to get this guy here because everybody loves him and nobody will be talking about Dombrowski. You, you see it a little bit different. You see it less calculated than I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think this is, uh, uh, they walk into the office the next day, uh, you know, Monday morning and say, Hey Dave, you're fired. Um, I, I'm sure that at, at this level of, uh, of the sport and, and this level of the business side of the sport that there was, I'm sure some dialogue of, of where are we going as a franchise? Um, some of the plus and minuses, let's real quick touch on what Dombrowski's brought to the, the Red Sox. He brought a ring, three division titles, um, you know, that's as good as you get. So basically mission accomplished. Now, where I think that the the issue is here moving forward is Dombrowski was brought in as an executive closer. It's time to go. We need this done. We want to win a championship. We want to ring. Dombrowski's that type of guy. He's a, he's a veteran uh, in that role as an executive. He's done this before. Um, he has the ability to frankly, find the best veteran players and sacrifice the future for it and make some deals. And as a result, it depletes your farm system um, and mission accomplished. They were able to get the ring. So fast forward to, you know, yesterday and, and this year and, and the second half of the season, uh, they're, they're big money guys have run into some injuries, sale, price, Uvalde, uh, which I think is a byproduct of playing late into a season in October yeah. baseball. Um, you know, logging lots of innings. They're just not the same as they were uh, last year. So uh, you suffer from that. Um, and But you're looking at some contract situations with the Red Sox, with J.D. Martinez coming up as uh, he can opt out. Uh, you're looking at Mookie Betts Mookie here Betts, coming yeah. up real quick. They're, they're almost in the same position the Jays were a little a year or two ago, right? They have, some of they these have guys a decision to make. E, double E, and uh, Bautista, Donaldson, like all these guys. That, and we just talked with Ari Shapiro and how they could have went um, like the Dodgers and the Yankees and some of these other teams, and they decided to gut it. And uh, the Red Sox were going to have whoever comes in is going to, or whatever decision, they're going to have to make some decisions on those guys and well, yeah. the future of the team. You know, and I, I don't see them having a ton of trade chips because they, they're kind of in a weird, weird mode because Mookie, you can trade. Um, what are you bringing in for them? Uh, you're not going to get value. They've got a couple of young guys, Bogarts, uh, 27, mm-hmm. Devers, 22. Um, that are that are offensive dynamos. So it's like, are we looking to get prospects for those guys? We need to get them locked up long term, and just the, the they're kind of in a, a a middle ground as a franchise. You know, they need their best players to be their best, which they weren't on the pitching staff. The offense was fine this year. It's the pitching staff that was the issue. But in but the next that th- much, you're throwing that much three years in a row. Three, three to five years from now, where are they? And yeah. w- and they need to replenish that talent pool. I won't be the least bit surprised to see them um, pluck someone out of the Tampa Bay Rays organization or the Houston Astros organization and promote someone within those organizations that's you know fulfilling a lesser role as we move into this um, you know the final stage of the full analytical movement uh, of where we need to be with player development and the cohesiveness from you know the the top guy on your big league team all the way down to you know the the 
the rookie class player that uh, has potential. The the cohesiveness throughout the group is now what's most important, which no kidding, why wasn't it uh, mm-hmm. part of the deal from before? But it wasn't. There was some uh, lack of information between levels and organizations, and it, it wasn't cohesive. So yeah, I think they're, you're going to see this happen with the Red Sox. They're going to look towards that style of leadership. Um, I don't. They're not rebuilding. That doesn't exist it doesn't there. Know, no. It's a reload. They'll figure it out. They're gonna um, keep up with the Patriots. No, you have to, and and the, the market just went. They have the resources to make it happen, yeah, exactly, so it's, yeah. it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, Thor's pretty pissed. Noah Syndergaard uh, in New York <laughs> does not want to throw to Wilson Ramos uh, anymore. Uh, the Mets catcher, and he 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 might have a case. Uh, look at the listen to the numbers um, when uh, Thor is uh, pitching to Ramos. His ERA is five point oh nine. When he's pitching to Thomas Nito, his ERA is 2.45. Five less games, but still, it's a trend. Um, Major League uh, managers and and managers in general, I I don't know if you had anybody that refused to pitch to to somebody, to another catcher, but it's a delicate balance. Noah Syndergaard is a a stud, a balance between keeping him happy and, and doing what's best to your team. Well, I, I guess the question is, what's best for your team, Noah Syndergaard at a two-five or at a five-zero-nine? It's uh, but they were yeah. saying they went to him and said, "Here are the reasons why it's better for yeah. the team." And he's saying, "When I'm pitching, we need to do what's best." Look at the numbers. Yeah. Well, let's throw it out there. Ramos is an offensive catcher. Uh, I think he just came out of like a twenty-nine game hit streak. Um, he's a three hundred level hitter. Uh, you know, and, and batting average doesn't tell the whole story. He's a productive major league hitter, and, and at the plate, yeah, back end of the middle line, like a five-six hole. But he satisfies. Thor doesn't role. like the way he calls the game. Apparently, yeah, you know what? Obviously, the, the numbers. Yeah, and and the results speak to that. And the real debate here, Dino, we should be getting into is when is the DH coming to the National League? They wouldn't have this issue at this point. Would then. you like to see that? Would you like to? Ah, okay, shouldn't have brought it you, up. I know, but <laughs> would you rather, like, okay, it's split right now. Would you rather see no DH league-wide or DH league-wide? What, I guess one or the other. It's it's Every team is going to be the same, but what would you rather yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, I love the National League for, for it to be different. It's a, it's almost a different game in the National League than the American League. There, there's that's way what more makes strategy. it unique, and it that's is. why it's cool to see the National League, and then when the World yeah. Series shifts to the National League, what does the American League, how do they adjust? You know, and it's a bonus for the National League when they go. As much as I like seeing pitchers go yard, it doesn't happen often enough <laughs> to make it. I, so if I had to pick, I would probably pick DH league-wide, but I'm like you. I love the National The National League seems to be a little bit, you know, there's one less power bat in the lineup, so you play maybe a little bit more a small ball. Yeah. Right? Well, I, and yeah, ultimately, I think the money will dictate this decision. With with so much money locked up in Cinder, you know, $30, 35000000 million a year to pitch, you, at some point, are we going to take this risk that he fouls a ball off his foot and he's out for six months, or takes a pitch off the wrist? Exactly, and that that hurts the organization. That hurt that hurts the player. It hurts the organization, and then at, at the end of the day, it hurts Major League Baseball if it doesn't have one of its stars available, mm-hmm. and it brings up these questions. Oh, a couple of years back, wasn't it you, Darvish? That uh, yeah, I think it was you, Darvish. If I'm wrong, I, I might be wrong. That that hurt himself running the bases. And it prevented him from pitching. Yeah. You know what? Like, I love the National League because of it, but at the end of the day, like, what are we doing? 
You know, why are we losing this bright young arm and, and all the marketing ability and what he brings to the game and, right. you know, for, for an 0 for 4 and, like, he finds his way on base. Yeah. and you For know. the odd time, Baumgartner's going to go deep yeah. or something yeah. like that. Uh, anyway, uh, really quickly, before we get on to uh, history class and the rest of the show, this is the last year of majorly expanded rosters. Yeah. Uh, like, they, right now you can expand to 40, correct? Yeah, yeah. The 40 man is... is uh, you know the 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 goal that all minor leaguers are trying to achieve get on the forty man because then you're called away. Get to September away. and yep. get called up, right? You're called away and then you got a shot. Uh, so this is what's happening: um, active roster limit from opening day through August thirty first uh, next year will increase from twenty five to twenty six. So it's been twenty five man roster forever. Um, the minimum number of active players be twenty four. Uh, now that'll be twenty five, so you can have that one kind of. He's, he's mm-hmm. not going. You're not allowed to have more than twenty five in the clubhouse. That's right. So next year that'll be twenty six. You can watch across the. Uh, you gotta the, get the, out of the, the club. Diamond at the bar. Moneyball, wandering cone. Right, like yeah. he's coming in. It's like, you gotta get out of the clubhouse, dude, man. He's like, I get it. I'm sorry. You gotta get out of the clubhouse. <laughs> so the current, the current major league rules allow for a twenty six player for double headers. Um, starting next year, elimination of the forty man active roster in September. From September 1 through the end of the championship season, all clubs must carry 28 players on the active roster. So this is a topic that's out there right now. This is good for the PA. Uh, Is it? Well, they have to carry 28. I guess, yeah. In September. In September. So the 40 goes, yeah, it goes down. But more guys are allowed on the active roster. I guess it's a... No, they're all... Like, if you're called up, it's active. It's 40 men right now. You you usually don't load right, it all you, the way up. We were up. just talking. You could only have so many guys in the clubhouse. Before September yeah, 1. Right. Now you can go to 28? No. Next year, you'll it'll be 28. Yeah. Right now, you can have up to 40. Oh, you, in the clubhouse? Yeah, the September call up right now. Okay, okay. So, as it stands, and this is this is the part of uh, maybe some of the pushback from from some former players. So Doug Glanville, who's a contributor on the Athletic, right? You know, spoke to this, and and you know, his first taste was a September call up, and and he got to be around the big boys. He got to learn off guys and 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 build towards sponge. yeah, build towards a major league baseball career. Now, at, from forty down to twenty eight, okay, yeah, yeah not no, a, I see what you mean. That then. may not happen for a lot of players. They may never get that. You know, I had one one game in the big leagues. Like a lot of those stories, the Crash Davis story yeah, from uh, Bull Durham. You, you know, the end of September, you, you reward you know a career minor leaguer that's played AAA, and he gets a cup of coffee up there for seven days and gets to live the life. Gets a gets a game, a road trip, things like that. So so part of the romanticism of baseball will be eliminated with this. Now the Washington Nationals have a pitcher. His last name is Barrett. He went through a. Mo- uh, multiple, I think, two or three big-time arm surgeries. You know, his, his career was in jeopardy. Will he ever make it back? And uh, he did. He was called up, you know, last week and got into a game and struck a guy out. And this was, uh, you know, for, for all intents, like a miracle recovery that he was able to get all the way back up to this level. And if these rosters aren't 40, is, is he happen. one of those three guys? No. And if the roster expands to 26... It's only two guys. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. A good so, point, yeah. So this is not good for the PA. This in, is next uh, year. Yeah, the, in, the, and I don't know. That's, I kind of uh, like it. I mean, I don't I don't love five-hour games with 17 pitching changes. Yeah. I don't love that. Uh, but I, I, love the, I love the idea of rewarding players. 
and, and they've had a, you know a six month grind in the minor leagues. Yeah, especially and put, when your season is over yeah. as a big league club, let's give this guy a, a, a little cookie here for coming up, for and playing it, and well and being a good team guy. It it raises the level of matchups. You know, you got three more lefties available, and, and you know, and the, the game gets longer. But you know, maybe we need to look at the game length in September. If if that was cut down, would that affect the overall game length? And then you know, what they're they're struggling to find ways to make these games go faster. But maybe the the back end of seasons is what's dragging down that that time average for sure. All right, we'll be back in a second with some uh, baseball history. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. All right, so I have purposely kept this uh, history tidbit from you uh, because I think it is so cool. This is not from today. This is actually from Sunday. And it's the only bit of history I'm doing today because it is so impressive. On a Sunday in 1965, Bert... Campanaris of the Kansas City A's becomes the first player in Major League history to play all positions in one game. I love it. That is incredible. I love it. That's you know, FP like, Santangelo style. It's so amazing that you think about it like, uh, like how does that even happen? Like, how does that start? Is it like before the game? All right, Bert, it's September. Yeah. We're out of it. You're yeah. playing every position exactly. today. Exactly how like, it that's starts. That's a manager trying to, yeah. today, that would be a manager trying to get on SportsCenter. His yeah. team on, that's what you need to do. You need to get yeah. one of your guys next year. Don't do the viral, uh, have a parents attack an umpire, because that's not going to help no. you out. Yeah. Get one guy playing every position in a game. Game, that's a great idea. You'll get on TSN. That's a minor league. That's a great idea. A little, uh, little promotion for you guys. Go. Yeah, yeah. You isn't know, that amazing? In, a, in, a, yeah, it, it's really cool, and and it's happened a few times since. Mm -hmm. um, it has. You know, I was lucky enough in high school to get that opportunity throughout the whole season, um, and at the end of the year, I think it was center field that I hadn't started uh, a game in all summer. I'd started at each spot and even and, pitch pitch catch yeah. like the whole deal this is in high school baseball okay, yeah, yeah. And, and so my coach at the time sheen bromley is a tech tech director for baseball alberta um, he made it happen i got to i got to have a start in every all nine positions throughout the summer That's it so happened cool. right at the end of the year so it's, it's kind of cool. doing it in a game though. oh unbelievable next right? year season opener yeah, who's okay. gonna do it <laughs> yeah, put put the pressure on me right away yeah, yeah, right? no kidding so I, I thought that was pretty cool uh 1965 on sunday uh, Burton Campanaris of the Kansas City A's becomes the first Major League Baseball player to play in all positions in one game. Uh, that's going to be the theme of our trivia question a uh, little bit later, so uh, keep that memory locked on. Speaking of baseball memories... Tell us your best baseball story and you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and taking batting practice before the game. All right, today my uh, baseball memory has to do with uh, baseball cards. Uh, we're going to do uh, video games in a little bit uh, and we've talked about video games in the past, but Baseball cards, um, you know, we used to, you know, you'd get the terrible gum that came with it. Um, you would collect, I collected a lot of hockey cards and baseball cards. Uh, I did collect some CFL cards at one time, which was kind of cool. And Weekings, every time the Weekings uh, would come out with a set, I would get it. But uh, the baseball cards I remember the most are, A, the guys with the greatest funky beards and mustaches. Yeah. Like, if you ever got like a Rolly Fingers card, you were like, oh my God, is this a Joker or something like that? Uh, but the, the cards that said like, like you would get Ozzy Smith as a Padre, 
and it would have a little kind of a sticker bubble that says now with the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is so cool. This guy got traded. So I, for some reason, thought those were the rarest cards. And, you know, as a kid, you're not thinking this Honus Wagner card is going to be worth $400,000 or whatever. You just think it's a cool baseball card. Yeah. And then the ones you don't like, you're putting in your spokes. So, you know, I probably uh, put like a, a Roger Clemens rookie card in my bike spokes or something like that to make my bike sound like a motorcycle. But uh, baseball cards, uh, did you, were you a big collector when you were a kid? Yeah, uh, probably kind of tapered off around 12 and 13 sure, yeah, years yeah, yeah. old. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got a story. It, uh, my brother's uh, about 12, he's 12 years older than I am. So he grew up in the days of spokes and yeah. playing the card game against the wall and, yeah. and all that. So, uh, you know, I was about 10 or 11 years old and, and uh, you know, found this shoebox full of old cards. And, uh, you know, I cycled through all these cards and lo and behold, there's two Gretzky rookie cards just destroyed. What? Just destroyed. You know, so at, at the end of the day, they're worthless. And I'm looking at these things and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And there, I mean, they're destroyed. Yeah, there was no beyond no uh, yeah. recognition, you know. And so he, he he was born in '68, so you know he'd have been, you know, what Gretz came in about '79, '80, like whenever that rookie card was. Yeah, '80, '80, '81, I think. So I mean, he was obviously yeah. too young to know, and and you know, but not a huge card fan, like playing the game, competing fan sure, yeah, versus yeah. versus whatever. So when I saw those cards, it was. So, somewhat heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick story about a Gretzky rookie card. My buddy had a Gretzky rookie card, and he went to see the Jets Oilers, and Gretzky flipped a puck to him in warm-up. And then he came home and told his mom the story, and she thought it was really cool. He got up the next day, and she thought she would be really nice and cut his Gretzky rookie oh card out and glued it to the puck. Oh, and he was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> So, oh. uh, yeah, he, yeah, that's what happened to his uh, Gretzky uh, uh, rookie card. So, okay, is that your baseball memory today? Or yeah, you, that, that, uh, yeah, that's what that, going like with that the cards, yeah. 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 We'll stick yeah, with that. Yeah, we'll stick with the cards because yeah. uh, uh, that's, uh, that's good stuff. All right, let's get to our first guest. It's uh, Ethan Elias uh, from the Edmonton Collegiate Baseball League, the Edmonton Collegiate Trappers. Play ball! Very pleased to welcome aboard from the Edmonton Collegiate Trappers baseball team, Ethan Elias is joining us. You can uh, follow uh, the club at uh, on Twitter at ECBC15, and uh, you can follow Ethan at Ethan Elias. Ethan, thanks very much for joining us on the Prospects Baseball Show. Can you just uh, give our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what the Edmonton Collegiate Trappers are, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us about the club. Uh, well, we're, we are a uh, collegiate baseball team here in Edmonton. We're the only t uh, collegiate team that's ever been in Edmonton. We play in the uh, CCBC, Canadian Collegiate Baseball Conference, which is the highest level of college baseball in Canada. Um, we started up this program a few years back, and uh, we've just been trying to really give a, a kickstart to the baseball community in Edmonton and uh, really, really give our players who have a lot of talent a place to play and grow in this community and try and bring a really good uh, – a really good baseball team to this city. Thanks for coming on. E. Uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, I got a couple questions. I wanted to just kind of pick your brain and, and delve into what the process has been like for you over the last two years. Last year was the first year of the ECBC Trappers, and I just wanted to touch on uh, how how was the first year for you? What uh, what were some of the ups and downs? Uh, you know, kind of getting through year one of this college baseball program. 
Oh, I think it's, it's the same as most programs, getting enough players, uh, trying to establish a program where we have an identity that everybody comes into and buys into every single day they're there. I think last year the guys showed just tremendous uh, grit and determination to try and create something, right? We always talk about that as, as, as an ECBC team. We're, we're creating a program here, and all the guys buying last year was awesome to see. Yeah, we didn't win the 20, 20 games we wanted to win, but we still competed in every single game. We didn't give up. We won 10 games, and we won a playoff game against uh, one of the best teams in the history of the league. So last year, it was, just, it, was, it was really cool to see all the guys come together and kind of stick with all the ups and the downs, the, uh, the cold weather, which is a huge obstacle for us to overcome, the snow, and uh, just, just seeing how tough they became from the first day of camp to ultimately the last day of championships. Yeah, I've got uh, a little bit of familiarity with uh, with a season grind like that, and uh, you know, I just wanted to just wanted to tell you from from my vantage point, getting to watch what you guys were doing, uh, uh, what a tremendous first year! Congratulations. Um, just want to delve into a little bit about a little bit of the recruiting process for you. E, uh, how how do you go about uh, identifying talent here in the Greater Edmonton region, and and then maybe also. Um, you know, expanding that recruiting web uh, into, you know, maybe Saskatchewan or Northern Alberta. Um, there's a lot of competition out there with some of these collegiate programs. Um, can you just discuss a little bit about how you go through your recruiting process? So a big thing with me is word of mouth, right? I know a lot of the college baseball coaches in this area. I know a lot of the high school baseball coaches in this area. So I'm, I'm constantly in conversation with them, um, seeing who they got, what they think is a good fit for our team. And then I also coach in the Midget AAA uh, uh, Norwest League here. So I do a lot of kind of scouting by coaching. And I just try and find the players with tools and attitudes that I think fit within our program. And then I'll reach out to them. We also have a, a recruiting, uh, basically a recruiting a recruiting engine on our website where people kind of uh, send in their uh, their name information. And then we reach out to them through that. But uh, yeah, the recruiting part is a kind of an ever or never ending thing. It's you're constantly in talks with them. People change their minds. They come back and forth. Get really, really excited. And then uh, another big thing for us is just word of mouth within our within our team, right? Talking to their friends because if you bring in the right players, their friends are usually going to be pretty good ball players, and they're going to be pretty committed ball players. And then you can kind of bring let or let them want to come to you, right? If we build the program, people are going to want to come to us. If we build the program the right way. Um, so that's really my main focus is building the program and then let, let the calls come on in. Well, that's, uh, you know, very similar to your situation, Jordan, that, uh, if you bring in a player is say, or four from Yale and they don't have a good experience, they're going to go back to Yale and, and tell their teammates it wasn't a good experience. On the flip side, they're going to say, hey, it was a great experience. It's a great facility. And, and Ethan, uh, that's that's probably very similar f- for you. Word of mouth is and, and personal experience is a big thing. How did you get involved in the uh, in the Trappers? What's your baseball background? Um, so way back in 2011, I was I was drafted out of Prospects Baseball Academy. Um, 22nd round of the Cubs. I played nine years pro between the Cubs, Diamondbacks, and various independent ball teams. And then I always came back and I trained with the, the Prospects Academy. And I, I that's where I started my coaching career, doing the juniors, some younger players. And then uh, eventually when the U of A started up the first year, under Mark Randall and Gord Gerlach, I was hired as a pitching coach. And the following year I took over as a manager um, when Brennan Ewan took over the uh, presidency. So 
ever since then, it's just kind of been trying to build this team into uh, a functioning, fundamentally sound uh, business and then applying that to the field too. Awesome. And, uh, you know, you, you, you also get to use a, a pretty iconic name, uh, especially here in Edmonton. I'm, I'm looking up at a, a Trapper's jersey. So that's got to be cool for you to be able to, um, you know, play under the name of the Trappers still here in Edmonton. Oh, yeah, it's very special, right? The Trappers have a very recognizable name, uh, logo, and stuff like that. So we're very fortunate to be able to use that name. Um, it, it just brings excitement to, especially the the, uh, the kids around, or not kids, the young, the young adults around 26 to 30 that really remember going to those games growing up. And kind of that's their first, uh, first experience of uh, professional baseball or baseball in the city. So it really carries a lot of weight. And uh, it, it, we, uh, we use that name very proudly. So we uh, touched a little bit on the professional baseball side of of your baseball journey, and uh, I wanted to kind of just check in with you with uh, what's going on with uh, the, the 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 baseball scene right now in the big leagues, and maybe just tell us uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like to you know go into the low level pro baseball at uh, such a young age uh, from Canada, and what that was like uh, for you in the in the Cubs minor league organization. How how was the path and the journey? Um, you know, in the first year, as you as you see a bunch of new things and everything's kind of coming at you quickly, can you tell us a little bit about that first year when you went down? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the day I actually went down to Arizona, reported to Mesa, I failed my physical for uh, bone chips and uh, stuff in my elbow. So I had to get surgery within two weeks. I there was a bunch of miscommunication. People were saying I was getting Tommy John. I ended up getting all the way to the hospital in Chicago. I started talking to the doctor about Tommy John and he goes, what are you talking about Tommy John for? You don't need Tommy John. So I was like, Oh, like I'm on the operating bed. And I'm like, Hey, well, I need to talk to my agent. Like, let's, let's get out of here. Like we got to go do something else. And so eventually all that stuff came back whirlwind of emotions. I ended up spending over two weeks in Chicago, which was great. Got to go to a few uh, uh, Cardinal Cub games, sat in box. He'd sat right down low. was very lucky there. And I got my surgery. So my whole first year, of uh, professional baseball was spent rehabbing uh, surgery that I never thought I ever needed. Never had any elbow pain. And uh, it was actually in retrospect turned out to be really, really important to me because I was able to get very comfortable within the clubhouse, get comfortable within uh, the training room, talk to people, hang around some of the older guys that are also recovering and not have so much stress on the field as much as off the field. So I was really able to learn the ins and the outs of the clubhouse and how to act and, uh, as much as it sucked to have that surgery and to be out of it, it really uh, played dividends and allowed me to uh, grow as a player a little bit quicker once I uh, signed. Um, I spent my first year playing in the AZL, the Arizona League, uh, through about 30 innings, had a, had a very successful uh, year. But uh, I don't think it would have been possible had not given uh, the experiences I'd gained uh, throughout rehab. So in your minor league career, did you ever uh, set off the sprinklers in the middle of the night to create a rain out like in Bull Durham? And, uh, you know, how much of, uh, you know, that the movies uh, about minor league baseball is, is accurate? What is the what is the grind like in minor league baseball? Well, actually, the movies aren't as far off as people might seem uh, or believe. Um it's pretty, it's, it's pretty tough. It, it's not as, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? But 
because you love the game so much. You're so thankful for the opportunity to be playing in these really cool towns and everything. And alongside these great baseball players, the best coaching and stuff like that. But there's times where you're just to the field, back home, to the field, play video games, back home, to the field, get a bite to eat, back home. And it just becomes a really, really grueling uh, schedule where every single day you're going to that field for eight, nine, 10 hours. And if you're not performing at that field, the field just becomes a huge stressor. And it's really, really difficult to get away from it. When you're doing good, it's the best thing in the world. When you're struggling, it it, it is really, really tough and it becomes a grind. I, I, I'm, I'm a person that always really loved going to the field, whether I'm shaking foul balls as hard as I can or uh, pitching in a game, starting that game that day. It was always something that I was, re- I was able to have fun with. So, to me, the grind was easier to manage, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's definitely tough sometimes. Yeah, that's really cool that uh, you find ways to make yourself busy and, and make yourself useful as a pitcher, sometimes shagging uh, BP, and there's ways to get better inside that for you. As uh, Mariano Rivera used to shag baseballs to get some conditioning work in. Um, Only towards ACL. Yeah, yeah, except for that part, <laughs> right? Um I wanted to touch on uh, the the life of the Meyer leaguer and and you know it, in the public perception now it's it's been brought up over the last two years and this has gained some traction uh, with with the the pay scale for minor league baseball players and yeah you know, I'm not going to ask you how much you made but uh, what I wanted to touch on Ethan was um, with all the attention that's been put on the level of pay for minor league baseball players and and below minimum wage and and below the welfare line. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, maybe what the Blue Jays have done? They've kind of uh, stepped out in front of uh, the, the, the sport and decided to increase the pay of their minor league baseball players at all levels. Um, just if you could give me some thoughts on, on maybe what that's like for guys in, in minor league baseball right now and, and how that plays into the grind that you talked about. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a thing where uh, people really do struggle with money. But one thing to like keep in mind is pretty much every penny you get throughout those summer months is usually just spending money. Um, your housing is paid for, you get food at the field, you might have to pay for dinner now and then. Um, but it, it, it isn't really as tough as a lot of people put it out to be financially. Um, I'm also not a person that is too concerned with the, uh, with the money. I, I, or, and I, I'm not very high maintenance like that. Um, but what the Blue Jays are doing, I think it's really, really awesome because if you do have that fourth year senior, that fifth year senior that ends up signing for a thousand bucks and he ends up coming to the season all year round, he can't get that job. That's going to make up for it in the, in the winter. Right. Um, so he's kind of got to be able to save a little bit of money and support himself for maybe the first two months of the off season or the last two months of the off season. Whereas a guy that's younger, the money in the season doesn't really matter because they have a million dollar signing bonus or $250,000 signing bonus. Um, as far as actually being able to maintain and pay all the, all the minor league players more money, all it's going to do is just going to eliminate more minor league teams. In my opinion, I don't think it's feasible to have 40 rounds and then pay everybody 25 grand. It's the, the numbers just don't add up. You see all the big league contracts now and how those are even getting, uh, all the pennies are getting pinched in the big leagues for the guys that are turning 28, 30, there's no way it's going to kind of proceed down and people start paying their minor leaguers more money. They already get the best spreads, uh, food, uh, pregame you could ask for, or at least I did with the Diamondbacks and Cubs. I know every team is different or, or every team is different. Exactly. But 
I I don't think there is necessarily too much need for people in the minor league baseball world to be making twenty five three thousand bucks a month, especially at the lower levels. Uh, what about uh, your time in uh, the with a couple of different organizations? Um, you know, maybe some guys that you played with uh, that you're watching right now, or uh, are there some guys that you you hung out with that you watch on TV these days? Oh yeah, countless guys. Uh, one of my best friends started opening day this year for the Kansas City Royals. Brad, uh, Brad Keller, uh, same well, roommate of the same year. Josh Taylor's pitching the big leagues for uh, the Red Sox. He's starting games over there. And then when I was drafted with pretty much the whole Cubs team that won the World Series, Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, uh, Addison Russell, even though he was with the A's and played against him growing up, um, or playing uh, growing up throughout the minors. And then Dan Vogelbach with the the Mariners. There's there's really countless amount of, amount of people you really cr- cross paths with, and it's it's tough to remember them all and name them all. But it's very very fortunate to meet the people I have and. You know, have friendships and relationships with them. So I got to ask you this, Ethan: when you when you get into pro baseball, um, you know, f- with a childhood of watching games on TV, um, who is who is your favorite team growing up, and how did that transition happen? If let's say it wasn't the Cubs, and and you got to go into that locker room with some some mixed emotions with your favorite team, who is your favorite team growing up? Uh, Boston Red Sox were my favorite team uh, because of Josh Beckett. Josh Beckett was my favorite baseball player forever. He just, his attitude on the mound, his stuff, how he dominated. It was just my, it was just exactly what I wanted to do, exactly how I wanted to pitch. Um, but when, as soon as you walk into a club, or as soon as you get drafted by a team, you're immediately a fan. There's never, yeah. ever a moment where you're like, oh, dang, I wish <laughs> I was on this team. At least until you're older and you know better. Maybe when you're 29 years old and you're like, oh, crap, I don't want to get signed by that team because they do this in the minor leagues and I don't want to do that. Or they have this coach that makes us run more polls than this guy. Um, every day you have in pro baseball is a gift. And I think if you ever kind of regret or get frustrated or pissed off with the organization you're with, you need to really just take a step back and try and get a new look on how you're approaching things because chances are it's the wrong way. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, you know, what was, uh, I, I'd imagine this was a dream of yours to, to do what you did. When did it become, um, not, not a reality, but a possibility, not, not getting drafted? When did you think, I have a really good chance to play pro ball? At what age were you? Well, I guess it would have been in grade 11, 16, 17. I, uh, I always was chasing people. I always put on teams that were way older than me. And uh, I finally kind of caught up when I was 16, 17. I was playing with the Prospects Baseball Academy. I, I made a jump from about 80 miles an hour to 86, 87. And then we went down to a tournament in Okotoks, who were like our big rival uh, team, I ended up throwing like 10 innings in two days against this uh, Okotoks Academy, which were a very, very strong team then. And uh, I was throwing 90 miles an hour and I was 16 years old. And it was just like the best thing. I was like, holy crap, like this, this could turn into something. And I never, ever really thought of that. I always just kind of went after baseball because I love playing it. The reason I started working out so hard at baseball was because I wanted to get skinny and look good for my girlfriend. It really <laughs> had nothing to do with performance. It was, uh, and it, it's kind of all carried from there, just having fun with it every single day. And then that fall, I made the junior national team, and I was like, "Holy cow! Like this, this really 
this really should happen. I got an opportunity to make this happen. And uh, then I started to dedicate myself a little more to the game and attack it that way. That's awesome. He, uh, and you're thinking about others too at the whole, uh, the, throughout the whole process. Uh, tell me a little bit about what it's like to, to be able to play in Remax Field and, and call call the field here in Edmonton home and, and kind of be able to establish your, your college baseball program, you know, right in the heart of the city. Uh, what's that been like for, for the, the trappers uh, to date? Oh, we couldn't ask for anything more than Remax Field. It, it, it really is the second or third best field in all of Canada. And we get to use that field pretty much as much as we want. We we have access to the field uh, five days a week right now, and we just we're trying to take full advantage of it and just really really let or use that field to uh, to help our team get better. Right? It's got cages, it's got turf. We can play in the rain, we can play in the cold, um, and we can't do you can't do that everywhere. You can't do that in. St. Albert, say at Legion Field, because of the the field will just get too wet. The, the, there'll be mud. At Telus, there's always an opportunity to get better, and it, it's really special to have that. And then on top of that, to try and keep this field uh, running and functioning, to be able to offer a program to stay in there when there's not as much going on is, I think, really important to the field. And it, it's something that we take pride in, and uh, ultimately is is a like a, a little bit of a goal for us is to keep pushing the city and everybody to have. Uh, desire to keep this field around so it's uh it's great to have you in remax field i know as uh with the prospects organization uh we're, we're extremely happy and, and grateful that we can have this partnership and and you know help build baseball in the community it's uh it's so important and it, it's a it's a great thing to give players in this community another option uh that they don't have to leave town that they've got a you know a great program with a great leader um, they, they can provide them the opportunities they're looking for um, inside the game of baseball. So, um, Ethan, tell me a little bit about what what you guys have planned here uh, in the spring. I know that the fall the fall season is about playing some games if you can here and there and, and building team chemistry and building that program culture. Um, what do you guys get going in? Uh, what do you guys have going on uh, in the spring and when do you start to get going in the spring? So as of right now, we are going to be using a uh, turf training center throughout the uh, spring months. So uh, I guess a little more than spring, but uh, February, March, uh, January. And we start really doing live on lives there a lot. Uh, we, we, it's a huge space. We can, we can hit live and uh, it kind of allows our headers to get, get going a little bit earlier. Um, our first weekend trip is going to be to uh, Okanagan College in Kelowna. And that's going to be like our preseason trip. Um, we're going to go there. We're going to play four or five games and uh, really see what we got, where we're standing uh, uh, positionally, uh, where the players are at, where our pitchers are at, and uh, kind of work from there. Shortly after that, our season's going to start, and I believe our first home weekend is at the end of March. And uh, we'll be getting going to Remax Field after we clear off all the snow and uh, make it as good as we can. Uh, the biggest goal for us this year is just to get off to a nice, uh, a consistent start and uh, keep growing every week, right? The, the the good part about the CCBC is it is a short season, so you can dig yourself into a hole really quickly, or you can get yourself way ahead very very quickly, right? So it's, it's the start is very very important. If we get off to a good start, we're going to set ourselves up nicely, and then go into that championship weekend and and make some noise, right? Once you get to that weekend, it's really anybody's ball game at any time. I think everybody saw that last year with. Uh, Fraser Valley coming all the way from 
the the B side losing their first game and winning seven straight games or whatever to, to win that championship. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy to see what they were able to accomplish. So it's like what you guys did at the end of the season to get in the playoffs, yeah, like, hey, that you, marathon weekend. You just got to keep winning, fellas. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about anything else. Um, yep. You, were you were you guys able to establish any rivalries in your first year uh, with the with the Trappers? Is there is there any program out there that maybe you guys got after a little bit more, or the games uh, kind of dialed up in 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 the intensity meter? I think for uh, the players. They always like beating uh, University of Calgary and PBA. So those games naturally are just a little bit chippier. People are saying a little bit more things from the dugout, a little higher energy. People prepare a little bit better for those games. As far as a true rivalry between those teams yet, I don't know if it's quite there, um, but it, it's just teams we love to beat, right? We don't hate other teams. We just love to beat all the teams. And I think we like to beat those teams a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you always want to beat those teams uh, closest to you in in proximity, uh, especially. Um, what What do you, Ethan, particularly having uh, you know played at uh, a high level? Um, what do you try to uh, work with your pitchers on uh, when they when they come to you at that age? What's the the one thing you want every pitcher to to work on? Is there one specific uh, skill set or or teaching tool that you try to use with every pitcher? Mindset. I mean, it's tough because everybody comes in with their new challenges, right? And everybody comes in with their own expectations. I think one of the most important parts as a pitcher, even as just a baseball player in general, is realizing our expectations and then achieving those expectations, right? And once you achieve those, move on to the next one. Don't be content. But uh, it's, it's, if you are a guy that's going to throw 83, 84, 85 miles an hour, and every single time you go into a game, you're going to try and throw 94, 95, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen that way. There's so many steps along the way to get to that point that you got to change your focus, your energy from just throwing hard at that point to training harder, to uh, working more on your mobility, to uh, achieving or to uh, having more attention to detail in your plyos. Uh, a lot of us, especially in, in Canada, we have misguided focus on when we're trying to achieve our, our goals. So it's really about kind of laying out the goals we want, making a plan to achieve them, and then uh, once we achieve them, making more goals, not being content. That's really what I try and preach as a, as a baseball player, as a pitcher, and just going out there, having fun, and executing with conviction. Yeah, that's a great mindset. Uh, I love hearing that from you. I'm going to take some notes there. It's, uh, it's always good to you know, uh, listen to like-minded people and then talk about, uh, you know, the mental side of the game, which is, you know, as Yogi put, 90% of the game or whatever that quote was is uh, half the game is 90% mental. Um, and speaking of goals, uh, I wanted to maybe uh, touch in on what you think is going to transpire here in the last couple of weeks of the Major League Baseball season. I know you've got some relationships with some some guys up in the in the show right now and just wanted to get your, your take on who's going to win the World Series, Ethan. Who do you see making the playoffs? Is there a surprise team? Um, lay it on me. What do you think? What's going to happen here uh, in October? I think the Braves are going to win the World Series this year. I like their pitching depth. I like uh, the energy they play with. The They're going to be able to take it to another level where the Yankees don't have the pitching depth right now, I don't think. And the Dodgers, they've kind of been there. They're used to losing, so they're going to keep losing. Oh, but uh, I think the uh, the Braves, I think the Braves are going to make some noise. 
It's a good thing Some this is. Uh, it's a good thing this is the end of the interview uh, with that Dodger comment. Or else, uh, halfway through, we would have been uh, hanging up on you. Um, okay, so uh, aside from that ridiculous statement, I want to ask you about video games because uh, in a little bit we're going to give our top five baseball video games. And you mentioned uh, minor league baseball. Uh, a lot of times, you go from the ballpark back to the hotel. You play some video games. What are some what are your some of your favorite uh, baseball video games that uh, you played either growing up or in the minor leagues or still maybe today? Only one favorite, MVP Baseball 2005. Manny <laughs> Ramirez on the cover. That's uh that's getting yeah. a lot of votes on our uh, Twitter poll question yeah, as well. What did you love about too. that game? Jacob Patterson? I don't know, he's a cheap player. If you type in Jacob Patterson, he's a he's a, a player he'll come in with a, like a eight inch in diameter bat. He'll hit the ball 700 feet every time. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I love that game. It was kind of the first game I ever got into. And I, I played it every day, all day when I was, uh, when I was about 13 or 14 or whenever it came out, it was, uh, Oh, just a really, really, uh, really fun game for me. All right. And uh, I think that game's probably going to come up a little bit later on. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us here on the Prospects Baseball Show. Uh, once again, you can follow uh, the uh, Edmonton Collegiate Trappers at on Twitter at ECBC15. You can follow uh, Ethan Elias at Ethan Elias. And uh, to check out the baseball team a little bit more, hit their website at ecbaseballclub.com. Best of luck, Ethan, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you guys so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks, E. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers. Want two tickets to an upcoming prospects game? Get your thinking ball caps on and answer this baseball trivia question. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. That's the wonderful voice of uh, Christine Bandolo, the uh, voice along with uh, her husband, Kevin Dabbs, uh, of all my podcasts here on uh, Podcast Alley. And uh, by the way, uh, we should uh, point out that everybody, uh, that uh, for the uh, latest news uh, when it comes to uh, baseball, uh, check out the Edmonton Prospects website, prospectsbaseballclub.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at EDM Prospects. Uh, you can get this show at Prospects Pod. Uh, Jordan is at Jordan Blundell 4, and I'm at Duck Millard. So, prospectsbaseballclub.com, and you can find past episodes of this show at prospectsbaseballshow.ca. All right, uh, going back to playing all nine positions in one game, we told you that was our uh, This Day in Baseball history. Name one of the other three players to play all nine positions in one game. There are three others that have done it. Uh, you just have to name one, and we will email you back the pride that you have won uh, for answering that question. Uh, send us a note at prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com if you know one of the three. You, you, if you know one of the three, Jordan, I'm not going to tell you if you're uh, right or wrong, just to... Uh, to help out our uh, listeners, but uh, do you have uh, a guess of one of the three? I, I had no idea. I I looked this up, and I'm like, yeah, I have uh, no idea who it is. One of them happened like three years later, So and then one took place in uh, 2000 and one in 2017. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a gas yeah. there. Like I got some utility guys that I love that were versatile like that, but uh, to get that opportunity to go all nine spots, yeah. I mean, for me, like the FP Santangelos of the world, the, Kiki Hernandez. Yeah, I love. Yeah. I love those guys that can. They're, they're baseball players. They can play any side yeah. of the field, any spot. In fields, yeah. They contribute defensively, and then they can. Th- Put some numbers up with the stick. Yeah, I, I don't have a guest, you know. All right. Well, if you know, uh, email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. By the way, our last week's answer, uh, trivia, question and answer, which team has never had a no-hitter thrown by a pitcher? You knew that one right away. Yeah, we had, uh, I, I'm going to lay, lay that over you here right lay, now. This yeah, is last week's answer. This is so. the Padres. Yeah, the San Diego Padres. Yeah. They have uh, never watched from their own dugout a pitcher throw a uh, no-hitter. Now watch it all happen this week or something. <laughs> karma podcast. <laughs> karma podcast karma. You yeah. betcha. All right, uh, let's get into the one portion I do not want to talk about this week. Uh, it's fantasy time. Fantasy baseball, that is. Who needs to be in your lineup? <laughs> And who shouldn't? We've got the latest info to help you dominate your league. Bumgarner's 1-0. Bellinger swings. High drive. Center field. Hit the wall. Grand slam. Cody Bellinger. It's go time. We're going to have to update that intro. Uh, Furlander getting uh, another no-hitter uh, <laughs> recently, and it uh, did not help me uh, in uh, fantasy baseball that week. And uh, I am now out. Uh, I got oh. smoked. I, you know, On Friday when we spoke on Sports & More Live on the 12-Ounce Sports Radio Network, which you can hear 2 p.m. Mountain Time daily, uh, iTunes Radio, uh, tune in, or just go to 12 Ounce sportsradio.com uh i told you i said i think i can make a comeback because i had all my all five of my starters it, it didn't even come close wow. my starters uh did not come through especially clayton kershaw which was uh, a tough pill to your, swallow your, your hometown team yeah. the dodgers uh. i'm out now i am done uh in fantasy baseball and uh, I'm, I'm really glad sammy watkins took the uh, hurt away from me by helping <laughs> me win my first fantasy football league game this week so uh, you know it's uh it's it's so heart disheartening and this is you know fantasy sports she is a cruel mistress yes she giveth but most of the time <laughs> taketh away oh, and totally. i have i'm uh, in fantasy sadness now i've got a good friend that had that same experience and uh he took out his frustrations in week one of the nfl schedule he whooped up on his his opponent so yeah. he's back to happy yeah. he's one of his teams this is why well. i couldn't do the show yesterday i was so devastated <laughs> by my fantasy loss yeah well it uh i feel for you um, I moved on. You did. So I've got a great story. So Sunday night, uh, two nights ago. So I snuck in the playoffs. I, I, I ended, ended up in six, sixth place, uh, top six move on. Um, I moved in. Top two get a buy. So you played top, the third place team. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and so I entered into the playoffs week 20. I snuck into six, held on in 21, went into the playoffs. So I'm playing the three seed Sunday night game. Um, we're, we're, I've won, completely won a couple categories. He's won a couple complete uh, categories completely. We're down to the Sunday night game. And fantasy baseball doesn't even start till Saturday morning. Let's right. be real. But So Sunday night, Yankees, Matt, or, uh, Yankees Red Sox, the rivalry game. Sunday night baseball. It's on TV. I'm up three runs and uh, the one RBI. So I'm up against, uh, I've got one pitcher left. It's a reliever. It's Thomas Canley. So I may, I may be able to get a little bit there. But the pitching stats are done. 
offense up. He's got Mookie Betts and he's got Aaron Judge going into Sunday night. I'm Whoa. like, I got my fingers crossed. Well, I watched the game and, um, you know, Judge hits the bomb. So RBIs, uh, he ties it. So yeah. I lose the win. He doesn't get the win. And then he goes ahead by one. So uh, what was 7-4 was now 6-4 and is now 6-5. And so... The rest of the game was I needed Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge not to score two more runs. And as it turned out, they were unable to score those runs. So I, I won, uh, I think it was like 29 runs to 27. Um, I moved on and I'm in the final four, baby. That is awesome. Got a shot. Well, I look forward to uh, the update next week. Uh, when it comes to fantasy baseball, uh, I, I I will not even open my fantasy baseball website until uh, I don't know when. I don't know when I'm going to be able to look at my team again. I just walked out <laughs> in disgust. I, you know what? I, uh, I, this is what I gave him after the game. You lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygag. Lollygag. Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody asked me the other day uh, about a uh, fantasy baseball trade. Let me think it over, will you, Charlie? I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, that's that's the interest I have in it fantasy baseball. It sounds like now. a season of turmoil in your front it office is, coming. Is. There is going to be some. Although Tony Pena has a lifetime contract, so I don't know how I can get rid of him <laughs> as the uh, as the uh, manager. All right, so that's a wrap on fantasy baseball. We will uh, definitely be updating you on that. And uh, so throw us a tweet at Prospects Pod at Jordan Blundell four. At Duck Millard, uh, tell me, tell us what's going on in your uh, fantasy baseball playoffs. The pitch. There's a long one to right field. Forget about it. This one is headed for New Jersey. High into the upper deck. Barry Barnes with a spectacular three-run homer. Who is the best left fielder of all time? How about your favorite shortstop ever? What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy. It's time to build your all-time team. All right, so we're we're not doing all-time team uh, anymore because uh, we we've wrapped uh, that. Um, but what we are doing is um, top five video games this week. We're going to start yeah. doing top five lists uh, as we go into uh, the season, and you can still get in on winning winter banquet tickets with this. It's just a different game. Same prize. So we have a couple of tickets uh, uh, to the uh, Winter Banquet, and uh, we're doing top five video games. So if you want to participate, email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. That's prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. You have to email us to be entered into the contest. You can reply on Twitter just to participate in the show, and a lot of people did. But to be into for the Winter uh, Banquet tickets, you have to email us prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. And uh, we're going to do a, a small prospect prize pack uh, for, for this week. Uh, we'll get uh, the winner, the details. Uh, Jordan and I will get in contact with you. But we're doing our top five baseball games. You want to go first? Yeah, okay, I'll touch on this. So I uh, I put this out to some of the, the players I've coached recently, you know, getting in that demographic, you know, 16 to 22, where, you know, what, what was their favorite game so far? So I kind of did a fan poll for my number five seed. And uh, what came back resoundingly was MLB 2016, the show. The show 2016 was a game that um, guys said they fell in love with. You know, they still love playing the, the, the most recent versions of right. the game, but it was 
it was 2016. That it's their NHL 94. It must be. It must be. Like, like NHL 94 was, it that was the best. Magical and, game. And Sega. Yeah. You know, then Genesis, man. And it was in uh, the, what's that movie? Swingers. I think they were playing NHL 94 <laughs> and Swingers all the time with. Uh, Jeremy uh, Roenick was dominant yeah. in that game. He was, yeah. So I got uh, my number five shot. I, I did the fan poll. I, I allowed them to come in on that. It was uh, 2016, the show. All right. Uh, my number five is, um, oh, where's my list here? Is is a game called MVP Baseball. Yeah. Uh, and I know this is going to be up on, I don't have a specific year, but it was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, I didn't play it a lot. <laughs> Uh, so that's why it's my number five. But from what I do remember, the graphics were pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was good. It okay. was good. Am I getting into four now? Number you four? Go, yeah, you go with number four. Number four, I'm going with uh, MVP NCAA Baseball 06. Um, you know, I just finished college baseball. I w- was familiar with some of the players, so their names weren't attached. Um, you, you needed to know. You do a little research, you know, like who's number four for the Texas Longhorn, stuff like that. And, you know, I was still familiar with some of the guys that were were in that game. Tulane had a couple of guys that ended up playing in, in the big leagues there not too long after. So they were really good in that game. Um, it was just a really cool game to play at the time. And, and you know, being fresh out of college baseball, it, it, was, it was fun to play. So I've got in my four slot uh, MVP 2006, the NCAA uh, baseball game. All right. Um, I'm going with a game that uh, came out in 2007. I don't know if you remembered uh, the game NFL Blitz. Yeah. Um, you could do some really weird stuff uh, in that <laughs> game. That wasn't always a good example, but um, this game was called The Bigs. I don't know if you remember this, but it was like giant monsters that would hit like 700 foot home runs or whatever <laughs> and the pitches would come in so fast it was like a, a juiced version of, of baseball so it was a little bit different uh it was the, the graphics were pretty cool i'm trying to think if uh if it was on like uh i think it was like a 2k one of those 2k okay. conversion or something like that um, this was 07 this was in 2007 yeah. it was called the uh the bigs and like it was uh it was basically uh contact baseball almost so uh the bigs it's called is uh, that's my number four what are you going with for three number three I'm, I'm going with one of the games that uh you know got me through the summers of playing baseball uh 1994 the the major league baseball featuring ken griffey jr on the mm. n64 um like our, our our baseball team our guys we would play tournaments with that game um, all day, all night, you know, sleepovers, you know, you're playing Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. It was, uh, life was easy back in those days. So, you know, we would play that on tournament day. You know, you go from the park back home for a couple hours, have some lunch, get a game or two in, you know, you're playing your season out and then head back to the yard and, and play your real life game. Uh, man, we have so many good memories with that and, and, and tournaments and friendships ruined over that game so uh, i've got uh in the three slot ken griffey jr baseball 94. i'm going with bases loaded oh, uh, yeah. number three classic this was the first game that kind of gave you that picture that like almost the k-zone right yep. that you see now on tv like it gave <laughs> you that view from the pitcher and you could you could charge them out like it was so cool like i was like what like you would hit a guy a certain guys or whatever and they would charge them out and you could induce that i'm like this is pretty cool. And it was like, uh, there, there weren't real names or anything, but the it was the first video game that I thought took that step towards what we have now. Like I've got a couple, uh, my number one was a very basic game, 
but a bases loaded was that one game. And I, I would go rent it from Hurl's Food Mart in Brandon like yeah. every week I could. So. Late charge every time. Yeah, exactly. Bases <laughs> loaded is my number three. What do you got for two? Number two, uh, MVP 2005. It's the classic. It's the NHL that's 94. That was my number five, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the NHL 94 of baseball. There's just something about that game. They had the hit game in there. Uh, Manny Ramirez on the cover. You know, uh, our guest today maybe mm. will allude to that one uh, himself. Uh, that game was just awesome. Like, we played that game so much. Uh, you know, create your season. You, you, everything you need in a video game, it had it. And, and uh, you know, it's a pretty popular game, as we've seen in some of the people that have got back to us. That game's in the mix everywhere. Yeah, it, uh, it really is. Uh, my number two is MLB The Show. Um, not necessarily a specific year because they're just cool, but I, I you know, I, I play it my now. My imaginary son Gus is <laughs> uh, making his way up. Uh, he's now in AAA, I oh, believe. Good. So I haven't played it in a while. I'll get really into it when when's the playoffs start. Yeah. When baseball playoffs start, I'll be playing a game while watching a game. Oh, here, perfect. So yeah. It's a good sounds setup, like but, college for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it was great because you can do dynasty season, all these things. Like it has, it is like you are in charge in whatever level you want to be the man. Okay, you want to be the owner? Okay, you want to be the player? Ah, there you go. Like, it has everything. The graphics, uh, the play-by-play, the Choose ballparks. The lunch menu. Yeah, <laughs> the ballparks are so cool. Yeah. Like, especially some of the minor league ballparks yeah. when you play in. So, uh, for me, MLB, the show. I, I, is there a better video game right now than for, that one? No, no I no. don't think so. There, there's no competition what's there. What's your number one? Number one. Number one, this is the first baseball game I, I really fell in love with. Uh, you know, we played it. Uh, I played this game multiple years, even though there were new games coming out. This game just seemed to continue to get the gameplay. It was uh, it's called Little League Baseball. It was a Nintendo game. Um, I probably, I, I think I first was introduced to this in uh, 89 or 90. And that's a long way to, long way back to remember. But uh, I remember our baseball teammates uh, would play this game. I lived in, in uh, Riverview, New Brunswick at the time. And, you know, the, 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 the baseball guys, we play baseball and hockey together. So we'd play baseball and then backyard baseball and video game baseball in the summer and then just flip the sport in the winter and do street hockey and hockey video games and, and ice hockey together. That game uh, that game lasted well into my early teens. Um, I remember the, 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 so Little League Baseball, so every country's represented. Canada had a really strong team in that game. California was good. New York was good. Um, but, but I'll never forget my, my, uh, my good friend growing up, uh, Matty Grossman, um, he would play the game. We would play against each other and, and he, he was always, he was always Mexico and they had some big bats. They loved the big bats in the middle of the lineup. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget these names, Paco and Benito though. Those two were, uh, you could get the rest of his lineup out. The depth wasn't there, but I mean, shoot if Paco and Benito didn't have days every time I played them, it was, uh. It was uncanny. So uh, I've got Little League Baseball. Uh, I think 89 or 90 it came out uh, for the original Nintendo. That's my number one baseball video game of all time. All right. Uh, I'm going with RBI 86. There it is. Uh, we talked about yeah. this last week. Uh, it was the first game I ever remember real players, and uh, it was just the great mid-'80s. I mentioned the Cardinals were great, uh, the Red Sox uh uh, pretty obviously, uh, the Mets were uh, getting there and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but my honorable mention is uh, the. Uh, do you remember like the head-to-head baseball? I'm showing you a picture. You can't oh, see I'm it not, on, dude. That's the best. It's the handheld yeah. where you could you had two players and it was like beep 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 yeah. beep, beep. We would play that in our car on road that. trips 
all the time. Yeah. Uh, the head-to-head electronic baseball from ColecoVision. Coleco. It was so good. But RBI Baseball, 86. Um, graphics weren't great, but the names were there. There was no play-by-play voice, but the names were there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm Jesse Orozco today, or <laughs> I'm this and that. You know, I'm, I'm Vince Coleman stealing bases. And you could have American League versus uh, National League. I remember the Tigers had some powerhouse teams and stuff. So... That, for me, was the first video game of baseball that I really got into, and uh, that's why, for me, it's uh, it's number one for, for me, for sure. Uh, just a couple of uh, Twitter uh, yeah. responses. Norman Combine says, MLB Tap 2019, by far the best new baseball game. So I've never even heard of that. I'll have to check it out. Um, Braden, uh, Baden says, uh, the only one I've ever liked is the one you pictured as a kid. I even made a schedule and watched as all teams played each other, including the World Series <laughs> uh, from RBI. Stevie D says, one MVP baseball 05. That was on uh, your list. Yeah. Two, Ken Griffey. Uh, that was on yours. Yeah. Triple play 98. RBI baseball 98. And Ken Griffey from N64. Uh, Mark Majot, uh, my good friend from uh, formerly at uh, TSN 1260, he's got MVP Baseball uh, uh, 2005 on there as uh, well. So Bad News Baseball, did you ever see, did you ever remember that game? It was a bit of a different game. Yeah, I, I, not really. I, I don't think I played it much. I kind of came across it when I was uh, you know, doing a little research to yeah. make sure I knew which ones were my favorite. <laughs> and right. I saw yeah. that yesterday. Yeah. Mackenzie Crokin says, only baseball game that ever mattered, especially since it came free in a cereal box. And that's that backyard baseball that you were talking about. So yeah. good stuff. Okay, so really quickly, then versus now today is our is baseball video games. And uh, it's amazing. From RBI baseball, well, from that ColecoVision game that we talked about that's beep, 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 beep in the back of your car <laughs> to RBI baseball. And then you started seeing, like, in the late 90s, uh, the technology. Triple play yeah, 99. Yeah, yeah, like that, where it's like, okay, now it's really getting good. To now, where we just talked about with MLB, the show, the amazing things that you can do, the graphics, the voices. Shoelace colors. You, yeah, you choose the, yeah, the yeah, whole you, way. You, you choose your nose, and yeah. your batting stance is cool. Um, you can import to different games. If you buy the new game, you could try to win. A, like, it's just amazing. And, and the stats, they keep all the stats of your guy. It's, it is it is the closest thing to actually being a baseball player. This this is that video game. Like it's you know you're you're not actually running sprints and and you know playing long toss and things like that. But you get to feel <laughs> like you're a major league baseball. Yeah, going player. into two month training period so yeah. I can kick butt on my uh, dude. The, the one organization. I'm a shortstop. They tried to make me a, a third baseman. I balked and no. they benched me. No, hey, get me out of here. I, yeah, want I trade. asked for a trade. Yeah, like it's crazy. <laughs> you have an agent, so. The, Get them the, on the phone. The technology is is so great, yeah. and uh, it, it's 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 amazing. Like it's it really is amazing how good the games look compared to RBI Baseball '86, where the you know the fans just look like circles, right? <laughs> well, and let's talk then and now the virtual reality portion of this too. So I was in I was in Miami a couple of years ago for a Baseball Canada coaches uh, certification uh, conference clinic. I guess you better said clinic. And so I went down to the ballpark in Miami, which is an absolutely beautiful facility. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They, they only get about the same people we get at Remax Field. But um, so I did, walked around the concourse and they had an MLB uh, virtual uh, home run derby, right? So you put the goggles on and, and you get the, the back on. And uh, it's hilarious because my, fr- like, trying to time this on that, like, the timing was all off. And I put the weirdest swing on it. And, you know, I was hit 450 feet. I'm like, okay, this isn't. 
This isn't very realistic, obviously. But still pretty cool. It was cool to do, and it was cool to see. And, and in the virtual reality goggles, to be able to you know, turn your head and look around and see everything. See the ballpark? I mean, I, I'm waiting for I'm going to save my money for another couple of years till we get to the point where virtual reality is like, it's like the inception. Yeah. Are we in the I'll never leave the house. I'll never <laughs> leave the house. <laughs> is this real? Is this fake? Am I uh, the shortstop for the Astros? I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be, uh, the technology is getting so much better. So uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, this has been a fun show. E- Ethan Elias was a great guest from yeah. the Edmonton Collegiate uh, Trappers. Uh, check them out at ecbaseball.com. And, of course, uh, we await more information from you guys uh, and the uh, city of Edmonton. Uh, we have confirmed that uh, Michael Walters, uh, Councillor Michael Walters, is going to join us at some point. Uh, we've, um, we're going to wait until everything is finalized and announced, and then we can actually talk about some stuff. So hopefully it's good news for you guys yeah. uh, when we bring uh, Councillor Walters on and, um, you know, discuss the process. So that will be uh, down the road. But, uh, of course, uh, keep it locked on uh, prospectsbaseballclub.com for the latest information. And for past episodes of this show, you can go to prospectsbaseballshow.ca. Good show, man. This has been a lot of fun. We will uh, do it again next week and uh, hopefully have uh, some news that we can talk about and we'll be uh, hopefully continuing your fantasy baseball season yes. and taking one more step towards the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Also, we're going to do top five baseball movies next week. Oh, That's going to be a blast, oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. So if you want to get in on it uh, right now, email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com with your top five baseball movie list and you'll be at the front of the line for when we do that. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Ban the shift. <laughs> it's gone. It's a grand slam.